MSW Media. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Monday, August 2nd, 2021. Today, massive news dump from the Department of Justice Friday as we got the handwritten notes from a Trump phone call he made pressuring Maine Justice to call the election corrupt. The Department of Justice is suing Texas Governor Greg Abbott over his unconstitutional executive order. State Department Trump appointee Federico Klein has been arrested for storming the Capitol January 6th and assaulting an officer. Three members of Congress failed to disclose $22 million in stock trades required by law. I'll give you two guesses what party they belong to. Kevin McCarthy physically threatened Nancy Pelosi. The fraud in Pennsylvania has hit a roadblock. Douche crew leader Madison Cawthorn tried to board a plane with a gun as a congressional aide files an unrelated ethics complaint against him. And Rep. Cori Bush slept outside the U.S. Capitol in an appeal to her colleagues in Congress to return to Washington and vote to extend the federal eviction moratorium. I'm your host, Allison Gill. So that's a little bit of news happening over the weekend <laughs> since the last time we spoke, on the beans at least. I did go over some of the stuff on Mueller, she wrote. Dana is out this week, but Amanda Reeder will be joining us for the Good News segment later in the show. I'll be in New York this weekend, and I will host a cocktail hour in person live for patrons somewhere in lower Manhattan. We will email patrons the location details, and we're going to send that to the email address you signed up with on Patreon. So check your junk mail. And if you're not a patron and want to become one and come meet up this Friday, you'll get, first of all, come meet up this Friday. You'll also get ad-free episodes of this show the night before they come out, plus ad-free early episodes of Muller She Wrote and the MSW Book Club as well as access to our private social media discussion groups. And like I said, invites to live meetups like the one I'll be hosting this weekend in New York. Your support, by the way, it keeps us going and helps us pay our staff amazing wages along with you know, vacations and health care. So thanks to everyone that is able to support us. We appreciate you. If you want to join up, head over to patreon.com slash the daily beans. All right. I have, as you heard, a ton of news to get to. So let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. Friday was an incredible day for news, especially if you've been waiting patiently to see whether Merrick Garland is going to hold folks from the Trump administration accountable or ignore the past in the interest of, quote unquote, moving forward. Most of the news has already been poured over on the weekend shows, including Mueller, she wrote, like I said, where I spoke to Andrew McCabe about it. So check out yesterday's episode. Please subscribe to Mueller, she wrote if you haven't. But let me go over the highlights about the Department of Justice last Friday. First, Remember on Friday's Beans, which we recorded Thursday, I told you there is now evidence of phone calls that Trump made to former acting attorney general Jeff Rosen, in which he pressured the Department of Justice to help him overturn the 2020 election results. Trump was calling him near daily. And they also said in The Washington Post that notes from that call could be released to Congress within days. Well, it was released to Congress within 24 hours. They, they sent them on Friday and the Congress promptly made those public. After the Department of Justice sent letters to Jeffrey Rosen and Richard Donahue and other former Trump Department of Justice officials saying that it would not invoke executive privilege and allow them to testify fully to congressional committees, they released those handwritten contemporaneous notes of Richard Donahue that he took during a phone call between Trump and Rosen to discuss, you know, how to call the election corrupt. 
And like I said, Congress got those notes and immediately made them public. So first, let me see if I can describe how unprecedented it is for an institutionalist like Merrick Garland to stand up and say the department will not invoke executive privilege. That is a big fucking deal. A second to release the documents, official Department of Justice documents that would normally be subject to executive privilege to release those to Congress, especially documents that expose corruption in the Department of Justice is a huge deal. We were all sort of assuming, you know, based on some of the previous decisions Garland has made, that he would never release anything that could give the institution a black eye. But he did on Friday. And as you probably know by now, the notes show that Trump told the Department of Justice to simply announce election corruption, just say it was corrupt without any evidence, and that he and his Republican friends in Congress would, quote unquote, do the rest. And that was just 10 days before the insurrection, meaning Trump was pushing the department to simply state the election was corrupt so that he and his allies, like Jim Jordan, for example, could oppose the results in Congress with the blessing, basically, of the the Justice Department. That is a huge abuse of power, weaponization of the Justice Department to overturn a free and fair election. The notes show that the call was pretty much identical to the one Trump had with Zelensky that he was impeached for. And Trump threatened Rosen on the call, by the way, kind of insinuating with a wink and a nod that he could be easily replaced with Clark. Trump named a few Republicans in Congress, including Perry, Jim Jordan and Ron Johnson. And that kind of implicates them as far as I'm concerned. Called them a fighter or, you know, they're 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 on my side, basically. I expect we might see more notes of other calls maybe from perhaps Mark Meadows, but I think he was on that call too. We'll wait and see, but there could be more. Either way, this shows that the Department of Justice is not willing to ignore wrongdoing in the interest of moving forward and preserving the institution, right? Although I tend to think that this kind of accountability, and apparently so does Merrick Garland, this kind of accountability actually does preserve the institution. And I'm glad they made this call. Good call! And in response, the Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington has filed a criminal complaint. And that's, you know, based on all of the not just the notes, but I mean, that's a huge, giant chunk of documentary evidence. This is from Cruz website. The Department of Justice should investigate whether former President Trump and former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows violated federal criminal law by attempting to weaponize the Department of Justice as part of their larger campaign to overturn the results of the 2020 presidential election. And that's according to a complaint filed today by crew. News reports and recently released internal Department of Justice emails revealed Trump and Meadows engaged in a public and private campaign to pressure federal and state government officials to use their authority to instigate frivolous investigations into voter fraud, file baseless lawsuits challenging the validity of the election in several states, and commit election fraud with the intent of overturning the presidential election, which appears to have violated criminal civil rights law. Trump and Meadows also appear to have violated criminal provisions of the Hatch Act by illegally pressuring and attempting to coerce high-ranking department officials to advance a partisan political agenda to affect the outcome of the election. Interesting. Although if the president violates the Hatch Act, nobody can really do anything about it. Quote, these alarming and illegal acts were part of a broader conspiracy to deprive American citizens of their right to vote and to have their votes counted. Now, see, that's different than the law I was quoting uh, over the weekend with when I talked to Andy McCabe, which was seditious conspiracy. But they're saying this is deprives American citizens their right to vote and have their votes counted. Ultimately, they continue this pattern of misconduct aimed at undermining the democratic process culminated in the seditious attack on the United States Capitol 
on January 6, 2021. That is uh, Noah Bookbinder, president of Crew. He also says government officials who try to subvert our republic and undermine democratic rule must be held accountable to the full extent of the criminal law. Right. It's a gross abuse of power. Too late to impeach him. He's gone. Although you can impeach a former president, although we know that the Senate now will vote no, because they've already voted no to convict an impeachment on a former president. That was their only reason for not convicting Trump of the insurrection and citing the insurrection. He's a former president. You can't impeach his former president. You can, but that was their only excuse. They'll, they would use it again if we tried to impeach him. And the reason we would try to impeach him again, other than duty being duty bound to do so, is to block him from running again. But we know the Senate will just use the same excuse. And something else that they can't, you know, they can't like say, oh, this one's really bad. So we're going to convict him because then then the question would be, why didn't you convict a former president before? The insurrection was pretty bad, guys. And I say guys because most of them are. And something else the Department of Justice did Friday. They issued a new Office of Legal Counsel memo saying that the Treasury needs to hand over Trump's taxes to the House Ways and Means Committee. If you remember, years ago, Richie Neal, the House Ways and Means chair, asked for Trump's taxes. And even though under law he didn't need a legislative purpose, he gave one and a real good one, too. He said that they needed to assess the effectiveness of the presidential tax audit program. You know, everyone who's running for president automatically gets their tax returns audited. They just didn't say anything. Seems like the program's pretty fucking ineffective. So Richie Neal was like, we need to see those so that we can determine if the, if the audit that they did on these was worth anything or good or if we got the right information. Now, Trump sued to block this languished in court, as we know, for years. But the Department of Justice is no longer fighting that fight on behalf of the former president and has issued this memo to the Treasury Janet Yellen is the chair there to release the returns to the House Ways and Means. That's another huge indicator that this Department of Justice isn't dead set on upholding shitty calls Bill Barr made. Because my, you know, I was like, why is he doing this? Why is he doing? Oh, because Bill Barr made those calls and he doesn't want to overturn a former Justice Department official. Well, he is here. So we know he can do it. So that's massive news. And we should remember he can and he has and he should again. (laughs) And if that weren't enough, the Justice Department sued Texas and Republican Governor Greg Abbott in federal court late Friday over the state's effort to restrict travel of undocumented immigrants. A July 28th executive order signed by Abbott would severely disrupt federal immigration operations in Texas and is invalid because states cannot take action to preempt enforcement of federal law. That's according to the lawsuit. Attorney General Merrick Garland urged Abbott in a very forcefully worded letter Thursday to withdraw his executive order. And when the governor declined, they filed suit. That's a July 28th executive order. Took two days to file that suit. Something else we should maybe make a note of. The DOJ doesn't have to take months to file a lawsuit. They did this one in two days. The lawsuit said the federal government depends on contractors and non-government organizations known as NGOs to move immigrants around the state so that they can attend hearings or travel if they are released by Customs and Border Protection. Because Customs and Border Protection stations are designed to hold people only for a short time, they have to be transferred, these people. In the Rio Grande Valley, in that sector alone, CBP used contractors to move nearly 120,000 people since last October. Contractors also transfer unaccompanied children from Homeland Security facilities to the custody of resettlement authorities. 
Quote, the massive federal immigration operations in Texas depend heavily on the ability of the federal government and its contractors, grantees, and partners to transport non-citizens. And far from preventing the spread of COVID, the lawsuit said Abbott's executive order would likely make things worse by curtailing the ability of immigrants to get medical care and testing. The order would also worsen congestion in border facilities, according to government lawyers. The Justice Department asked a federal judge to immediately block Abbott's executive order until the case can be heard. When reached for comment, Attorney General Merrick Garland said, how you like me now? <laughs> we'll be right back with more news. He didn't really say that. I'm, I'm just throwing that in there. But we will be right back with more news right after this quick break. Stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hello, Daily Beans listeners. It's Allison Gill. You know me as AG. The bulk of today's products are mass produced. You know I'm against this. They end up in landfills. It's unsustainable. It's bad for the environment. It's bad for workers. And the focus in this, you know, fast fashion industry is making them quickly and cheaply. And they ignore quality and functionality. But our sponsor today, American Giant, has set out to bring the best craftsmanship and attention to detail back to the marketplace. The CEO and founder, Bayard Winthrop, was determined to make their best T-shirt possible because he wasn't satisfied with what was available on the market. American Giant's best-selling premium slub tees iconic silhouette is made in the United States with quality care, made with custom heavyweight slub fabric that is non-see-through and non-torquing, unlike other slub tees on the market. American Giant spent over a year obsessing over the fabric and tested several variations until they found the perfect one. It's made with 100% American-grown cotton with rich and varied textures that give it a very unique look. It holds its shape and color after wash and wash and wear. And it's, it's beautiful. It's slimming. I love it got custom fabric, tailored fit. American Giant's premium tea is incomparable to other teas. My first impression of the premium tea was it was so much more substantial and therefore sustainable, but it fits so comfortably. So if you want to get the absolute best quality clothes that last and feel great and stay out of landfills and help the planet and help workers and help factories and fair trade, you have to check out American Giant. Get your new favorite teas at American-Giant.com today. Use promo code DAILYBEANS, all one word. You get 15% off your first order. That is 15% off when you use code DAILYBEANS at American-Giant.com. You'll be glad you did. All right, everybody. Welcome back. A political appointee of the former guy has been arrested on charges that he stormed the U.S. Capitol on January 6th and assaulted an officer with a weapon. Again, I'll repeat that very first few words there in case you missed them. A political appointee of President Donald Trump has been arrested assaulted an officer with a, with a weapon, stormed the Capitol. This is the first arrest of a Trump administration official in connection with the attack on the Capitol. Federico Guillermo Klein, former State Department official, made an initial appearance by teleconference on Friday before a U.S. magistrate judge, Faruqi, in Washington, where prosecutors said they would seek to jail him pending trial at a hearing next Wednesday. It seems to be a pattern here. Anyone who assaulted an officer or violently stormed the Capitol they're trying to hold, they're trying to remain in jail to await trial. The court papers obtained by the Post detail Klein's alleged conduct throughout the siege of the Capitol, tracing his apparent movements and actions from using a police shield to try to pry a door open to calling for reinforcements from the crowd to losing his MAGA hat, looking for it, and then grabbing another one on the ground that turned out to not be his. Klein's arrest is the most direct link yet between the Trump administration and the rioters, despite attempts by some conservatives to disassociate the insurrection from from Trump. Many of the 300 plus people who've been charged in connection with the insurrection have described themselves as Trump supporters, while some have ties to extremist groups like the Proud Boys, which Canada has, by the way, designated a terrorist group and the Oath Keepers and the Three Percenters. Klein, who is also a former Trump campaign employee, 
did not respond to a request for comment. A State Department spokesman said Klein served as a political appointee in the department from 2017 until his resignation in January. Quote, this is being investigated by the FBI and they are the appropriate agency to answer questions specific to the charges. That's what Klein's spokesperson said. Klein had a top secret security clearance. It was renewed in 2019. A LinkedIn profile the FBI identified as Klein's also lists the top security clearance and shows that Klein has been politically active in the Republican Party since at least 2008 when he began volunteering for political campaigns. Before joining the State Department in 2017, as I said, Klein worked for the Trump campaign, which paid him a $15,000 salary. In other insurrection news, a federal judge in D.C. erupted in anger, bench slapped a January 6th riot defendant and his lawyer Friday afternoon for refusing to cooperate with the court officials' safety requirements on COVID. Didn't want to wear a mask. Quote, you may not believe in the virus, even though 600,000 people have died. I'm not going to be part of spreading this virus because of what you don't believe. And the judge who said that was none other than Judge Reggie Walton. But he did not immediately incarcerate Daniel Goodwin. That is a San Francisco web designer accused of taking part in the insurrection. The judge said he would give Goodwin one more chance to comply, even as the defendant insisted he would not. I've never seen a lawyer send something like you've sent, Walton said. You will not do it again. The lawyer Hull said he did not regret his actions because his client was really upset about the possibility of going back to jail. Boo fucking who? And rising out of the insurrection and the near miss we had where the DOJ could have called 2020 corrupt but held firm. You know, we've been feeling the ripple effects of the big lie in the form of not just the insurrection, but hundreds of voter suppression bills. And of course, corrupt third party election audits in places like Arizona, where the bullshit is going to cost taxpayers nearly $10 million. And now in Pennsylvania, where we recently reported Trump supporters were going door to door intimidating voters. I'm still waiting for the Department of Justice lawsuit to block that shit. But here's a bit of good news. The Pennsylvania Republicans effort to launch a ballot audit of the 2020 results in the Keystone state has hit a roadblock after three counties are declining to hand over their election materials and voting machines. Earlier this month, Pennsylvania State Senator Doug Mastriano asked Philadelphia County, Tioga County, and York County to just voluntarily hand over their materials, ranging from router logs to voter rolls to ballot production and tabulation equipment. He set a July 31st deadline for their responses, and on Friday, the Philadelphia City Commissioners voted to send a letter to Mastriano instead, declining to participate in his forensic investigation. Both York and Tioga counties also declined to provide the requested materials, citing a variety of concerns. Lisa Dealey, the chairwoman of the city commissioner's office, wrote to Mastriano in a letter saying, the board cannot agree to the undertaking of your proposed review of the county's election equipment. Among other things, there is no claim that Philadelphia County's election systems or processes were compromised, nor is there any basis to jeopardize the constitutionally mandated secrecy of the votes cast by city of Philadelphia residents. To expose the taxpayers of the city to tens of millions of dollars in additional and unanticipated expenses or to risk the variability of Philadelphians to cast ballots in future elections if Philadelphia's systems were decertified. Mastriano has options for pursuing his audit despite the early pushback from counties. He uh, has said in media interviews that he's inclined to seek subpoenas for election materials if counties decline to hand them over voluntarily. To do so, he'll need support from other Republicans on his committee when the state Senate convenes in the fall. Mastriano did not respond to requests for comment. One of the most pressing concerns counties cited in their refusal to participate was the cost they could potentially incur. 
The Pennsylvania Department of State instructed counties earlier this month, as we reported, don't hand anything over. Don't hand over the voting machines. The machines would be decertified and counties would have to replace them at their own expense. The acting secretary of state already decertified the voting system in Pennsylvania's Fulton County because it was subject to a post-election review by a third party in violation of Pennsylvania's election code. So we know the costs. The letter from Philadelphia commissioners notes that replacing their voting equipment alone would cost more than $35 million and well over a year to implement. Dealer wrote that cooperating with Mastriano's request would render it impossible for Philadelphia to conduct the November 2021 general election, as well as the May 2022 primary election. The Tioga County commissioners raised similar concerns, saying they can't cooperate unless the state Senate provides funds for new election machines. you got to pay for this out of your own fucking pocket, Republicans. Quote, we are thus unable to grant you access to our machines without any help from you or the Senate to replace them. That's a, a letter from Christopher Gabriel. That's that county's attorney that he wrote to Mastriano. Gabrielle told CNN it would cost more than a million dollars to replace their county's voting machines. The York County Board of Commissions and its refusal to provide election materials said it spent nearly $2.7 million on voting equipment. In addition to citing cost concerns, their commissioners raised questions about the companies that might conduct the ballot review and other chain of custody issues. Sounds familiar. They also questioned whether Mastriano had the authority to make such a request since he's the chair of the State Senate Intergovernmental Operations Committee, not the State Government Committee, And it's the state government committee which has jurisdiction over these issues. You don't even have jurisdiction, bro. I hope the Department of Justice steps in now that we saw how fast they sued Governor Abbott over his bullshit immigration executive order. We know the DOJ can act speedily, so I'm concerned why a response other than multiple warning letters is taking so long. All right, we have a bunch more news coming out of Congress over the weekend. I'll go over that right after this quick break. Stay with us. Hey, everybody, it's AG. According to Forbes... Businesses such as gyms, nail salons, hotels, mom and pop shops, and more are preparing to hire heavily in the coming months in order to meet the heightened demand for these services. Personally, I'm most excited for all the comedy shows and concert venues coming back, and of course, the spas. I can't wait to get a massage. But all of these businesses reopening means that millions of jobs will need to be filled. So where do these businesses turn to fill those roles fast? ZipRecruiter. And right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash dailybeans. When you post a job on ZipRecruiter, they send your job to over 100 top job sites, which gives you access to their network of millions of job seekers. According to ZipRecruiter internal data, jobs where employees invite candidates to apply get two and a half times more candidates. ZipRecruiter's technology is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at our exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Beans. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Beans, D-A-I-L-Y-B-E-A-N-S, all one word. Again, ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Beans. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. And today's episode is also brought to you by my favorite furniture company, Allform. There, I wrote a jingle for you. You know I've loved my Helix mattress, and they made it to my exact specifications, and I've gotten the best night's sleep of my life for the last couple of years. Well, they've moved out of the bedroom and into the living room and they have all form. Sofas and chairs, custom made to your specifications, delivered fast, free of charge. You get to customize your own luxury furniture using premium materials, but at a fraction of the cost of traditional stores. With all form, you can pick your fabric, which is spill, stain, and scratch resistant, which is excellent for pod pets. You pick the color, the finish of the legs, the size, the configuration, the shape to make sure it's perfect for you and your home. 
I got a three-seater sofa. I customized it with whiskey-colored leather and a walnut leg finish. It's got a chaise lounge on the side. I love it. It's roomy. It's comfortable. It's modern. And I designed it to my own specifications. And the other great thing about it and all Allform furniture is how incredibly fast they deliver to you. Allform takes just three to seven days to arrive in the mail, and you can assemble it yourself in a few minutes. No tools needed. They have beautiful armchairs and love seats all the way up to eight seat sectionals, so there's something for everyone. And you can always start small and buy more later and add on if you, you know your family grows or you get a bigger house. It's awesome. It's so versatile. And best of all, you get a hundred days to decide if you want to keep it. That's more than three months. And if you don't love it, they'll pick it up for free. No hassles. Full refund. And they have a forever warranty, literally forever. So to find your perfect sofa, check out allform.com slash dailybeans. And Allform is offering 20% off all orders for listeners. That's allform.com slash dailybeans. Welcome back. All right, this weekend, GOP leader and renowned cowardly fuckface Kevin McCarthy said that if he were to become Speaker of the House in 2022, it would be hard for him not to hit Nancy Pelosi with the gavel. He said, quote, I want you to watch Nancy Pelosi hand me that gavel. It'll be hard not to hit her with it. He said that in some audio posted to Twitter by a Main Street Nashville reporter. The Republican leader made the comments after he was handed an oversized gavel, which seems like a joke, by members of the Tennessee congressional delegation while appearing at a fundraising event. Since he's not the speaker, that seems an awful lot like a participation trophy that his toxically emasculate supporters are always griping about. Yes, I just made that up. Toxically emasculate. (laughs) The emasculate conception. Pelosi's spokesperson and deputy chief of staff swiftly condemned the comments, quote, a threat of violence to someone who was a target of the January 6th assassination attempt from your fellow Trump supporters is irresponsible and disgusting. And that is true. Joyce Vance tweeted about this. This is hugely irresponsible. There were people calling for her assassination and her murder, including Marjorie Taylor Greene, by the way, though she's deleted that tweet. So, Please vote in 2022. And in other news, the leader of the douche crew. Hey, Les, before we go, can you just uh, do our tag? The only douche I let clean my douche is the douche. How do I do it? Madison Cawthorn is living up to his name. First, a heated confrontation between Madison Cawthorn and David McKinley, who's another congressman, over co-sponsorship of a bill has escalated to a McKinley staffer filing an ethics complaint against Cawthorn, according to two sources familiar with the move. Now, Cawthorn, as you know, he's, he's the group that he drove his fast car around in college with. Women were warning, don't go hang out with Madison Cawthorn. He's creepy and gross. They called him and his group of friends the douche crew. That's where I got that from. And as we know, there are photos of him visiting like the Hitler. Like he's just gross. He's just really gross. Anyway, this spat between these two congressmen came Thursday afternoon when the freshman, Cawthorn, went to find McKinley in his office to discuss what Cawthorn says was his mistaken addition to a bill that he didn't want his name on. You know, that's why that's very it's good reason to be a dick. No, it's not. But when Cawthorn found McKinley out of the office, the youngest member of Congress insisted that he, you know, go back, take his name off there. And they went back and forth. And, and he and he did with the staff of McKinley as well, yelling back and forth. The exchange was witnessed by multiple McKinley aides who saw Cawthorn as raising his voice and dressing down their colleague. At one point, he told the legislative staffer to lower her voice because she was speaking to a member of Congress. Ugh, gross. It's so Eamon Goth. The exact allegation in the new ethics complaint that resulted is unclear. It now falls on the House Ethics Committee to decide whether or not to investigate the complaint. 
And in other douche crew news, Madison Cawthorn had his gun taken by airport police and will likely face a federal fine and loss of a special security status. Captain Douche was attempting to board a plane February 13th, I guess for Valentine's Day, when Transportation Security Administration workers found he had an unloaded gun in his carry-on bag, along with a loaded magazine. And I don't mean Hustler. The weapon was described in a redacted incident report, police radio traffic recording, as a Glock 9mm handgun. Cawthorn, whose spokesman responded to questions July 30th, saying he brought the gun by mistake, was not charged with any crime. That's according to the reports and other information on the incident obtained this month through a public records request. Yes, I always mistakenly bring my Glock to the fucking airport. Anyone that stupid should just not be in Congress. Or anyone that dangerous, for that matter. Bringing criminal charges is left to local law enforcement. At Charlotte Douglas International Airport, city police normally charge people with guns under a city ordinance that makes having firearms at a checkpoint a Class two misdemeanor, punishable by up to 60 days in jail. Uh, not this time. And regardless of reasons people give, in almost all cases, those found to be improperly transporting guns face federal civil fines, said Howell, noting an elected official would not be excluded from that punishment. He declined to comment on Cawthorn's case, but said the February 13th incident was still pending. The process can take months. Fines are typically $2,000 for an unloaded firearm, 4000 for a loaded gun of the first incident though Smith said they can be as big as $30,000 for more egregious cases. And in other congressional news, three Republican members of Congress did not report, did not report up to $22 million in stock trades made earlier this year within 45 days of the trades, which is required by law. The late disclosures by Senator Tommy Tuberville, Rep. Blake Moore from Utah, and Rep. Pat Fallon from Texas all violate the Stock Act. And that's according to the Campaign Legal Center, who filed a complaint to the Senate Ethics Committee and the Office of Congressional Ethics. Tuberville and Moore reported their trades in July, six months after the trades were made, while Fallon disclosed his in June, four months after his earliest transaction. Fallon's trades were worth between $7.8 million and $17.5 million, including shares of Boeing, which he oversees as a member of the House Armed Services Committee. Tuberville's trades, worth between $894,000 and $3.56 million, included shares of health care companies that he oversees as a member of the Senate Health Committee. Multiple members of Congress have broken or risk-breaking the Stock Trading on Congressional Knowledge Act of 2012. The law makes it illegal for members to use insider knowledge for trading and requires them to disclose within 30 to 45 days any transactions of a stock, bond, or other security larger than $1,000. The CLC filed the complaint in March against Rep. Malinowski for not reporting between $1.3 and $5 million worth of trades between 2019 and 2021, while former Rep. Donna Shalada, that's a Democrat from Florida, apologized for not reporting trades the year before. After a January 2020 Senate briefing on the emerging COVID pandemic, multiple senators traded stocks worth millions of dollars, including shares in biotech companies and those making personal protective equipment. None of those senators were charged with insider trading. And finally, Congressional Representative Cori Bush slept outside the Capitol building on Friday night in an appeal to her colleagues in Congress to return to Washington and vote to extend the eviction moratorium, which expired Saturday night. Quote, the House is at recess. People are on vacation. How are we on vacation when we have millions of people who could start to be evicted tonight? 
There are people already receiving and have received pay or vacate notices that will have them out on tomorrow. People are already in a position where they need help, our most vulnerable, our most marginalized, those who are in need. How can we go on vacation? No, we need to come back here. That's what she said, speaking from the steps of the Capitol, where she slept overnight in an effort to appeal to her colleagues to extend the moratorium. And with just hours remaining until the eviction moratorium deadline, Bush and a growing number of her supporters remained on the Capitol steps. Now they're not allowed to lay down on the steps, so they're perched in chairs and wrapped in blankets. All day Friday, Democratic leaders scrambled to find enough votes to extend the moratorium beyond the July 31st deadline to no avail, even attempting to pass a bill to extend the eviction moratorium using unanimous consent. Bush called on the Senate to extend the moratorium before the chamber is slated to start its recess at the end of next week. That's this week. She also called on the CDC and the White House to extend the moratorium. But the White House has cited a Supreme Court opinion last month that said congressional action would be needed to extend it past July 31st. The Biden administration fought hard to get that extra month in there. And um, the Supreme Court said, OK, you can do it, but not past July 31st. And I'll give you the details here at the end of June. A divided Supreme Court denied a request to block the CDC order that prohibited landlords from evicting tenants. Chief Justice John Roberts and Justice Brett Kavanaugh and Roberts joined with the liberals to keep the moratorium in place. Justice Clarence Thomas, Samuel Alito and Neil Gorsuch and Amy Coney Barrett said they would have granted the request to lift it. So the old moratorium was set to expire on a Wednesday of that week. But Dr. Rochelle Walensky announced that she was doing a final extension until July 31st. That's when the whole lawsuit happened. In a statement, she said that the pandemic had presented a historic threat to the nation's public health and that keeping people in their homes and out of crowded or congregate settings like homeless shelters would help prevent the spread of COVID-19. A group of landlords and real estate companies and real estate trade associations asked the justices of Supreme Court to step in on an emergency basis, arguing Congress never gave the CDC the staggering amount of power it now claims. The district court ruled against the government, holding that the moratorium was unlawful, but the court put its ruling on hold pending appeal. The D.C. Circuit declined to lift the stay. Acting Solicitor General Elizabeth Preligar urged the justices to allow the moratorium to remain in effect. She told the justices in court papers that the federal law authorizes the Secretary of Health and Human Services through the CDC to adopt regulations to prevent the introduction, transmission or spread of communicable diseases from one state to another. That's why it's federal. She said the moratorium on residential evictions is temporary and is necessary because evictions, like I said, would increase the risk of spreading COVID by forcing renters to move into shared living or become homeless. Even though SCOTUS ruled to allow for the CDC to extend the moratorium, it warned that the CDC lacks the authority to extend it beyond July 31st without congressional action. So that's what they were citing when the White House said, Congress has to do this. Over the weekend, Nancy Pelosi said CDC, which instituted a ban on evictions, should extend the deadline further, giving House Democrats more time to codify the extension in legislation. Quote, I think this is something that will work out. It isn't about any more money. The money's there, resting in localities and governor's offices across the country. She said that Friday morning during a press conference at the Capitol. So we'd like the CDC to expand the moratorium. That's where it can be done. Meanwhile, Democrats of all stripes are grumbling that Biden waited until Thursday, just two days before the House is scheduled to leave Washington for its summer vacation, that he waited to request that Congress take up the issue. But to be fair, Congress has known about the expiration date for over a month now. And why were they scrambling at the last minute? I don't know. But that's the Congressional Weekend Update. 
Stay with us for the good news with Amanda Reeder on location in Canada, by the way, right after this. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and this segment of The Beans is brought to you by BetterHelp. BetterHelp can help if you're struggling with anything that's holding you back from living a happier and more fulfilling life. A professional counselor from BetterHelp can assist you in coping with life's challenges. They can assess your needs and assign you to an experienced licensed therapist within 24 hours so you can begin communicating immediately. I've learned through my own experiences with post-traumatic stress and anxiety, it's always better to seek help rather than deal with it on your own. It's hard to ask for help, but BetterHelp makes it easier. And what I love about BetterHelp is how convenient it is. You can contact your counselor anytime by logging into your account from anywhere in the world. You receive prompt and thoughtful responses and schedule weekly video or phone sessions if you need. And by making counselor changes easy and free, BetterHelp facilitates those great therapeutic matches that are so important to the process. It's more affordable than offline counseling and financial aids available. So visit their website and read testimonials like BetterHelp user PA, who says, very understanding and open-minded. I never felt judged in any session. Also, he always seemed to find good advice for anything I had going on, no matter what it was. He offers a great perspective to help, and it's made all the difference for me. So visit BetterHelp.com slash Daily Beans. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. You can join the over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Special offer for Daily Beans listeners. You get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Daily Beans. And today's show is also brought to you by Canva Pro. We've created a wide range of content for this show. Videos, social posts, infographics, websites, logos, posters. But it hasn't always been a seamless creative process. <laughs> it took a lot of time. It was limited by my very, very not good design skills. Uh, but ever since I discovered Canva Pro, I can design anything like a pro on any device. Canva Pro is a design platform that allows you and empowers you to create and share stunning content in just a few clicks. Designing with Canva Pro is easy and fun, no matter what your level of experience. There are thousands of professionally designed templates you can customize with simple drag and drop tools, or you can start from scratch. Adding personality and edge to your designs is easy with Canva Pro's endless fonts, photos, and videos, and their exclusive library of tools, features, and imagery is all available in one subscription, so you don't have to pay for individual photos ever again. Sharing, creating, and organizing designs as a group has never been easier, too. Canva Pro helps you maintain team projects all in one place, so there's no more lost files or chasing data. With Canva Pro's content planner, you save time planning, creating, and posting social media content, too. You can pause scheduled posts and edit them at any time. My favorite Canva Pro feature is the access to over 75 million photos and 400,000 free templates. I can easily design new logos and posters and web events and more. So design like a pro with Canva Pro. Right now, you can get a free 45-day extended trial when you use our promo code. Just go to canva.me beans to get your free 45-day extended trial. That's Canva, C-A-N-V-A dot M-E slash beans. Again, canva.me slash beans. You'll be glad you did. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we'll float on good news is on the way. And Dana's out and Amy's, I don't know, I think Amy's traveling. Everyone is super busy, but live from Canada, we have the one and only Amanda Reeder joining us today. Hi, Amanda. Hi, AG. How are you? I'm good. How's Canada? Oh, it's been really nice. I have not seen my family in so long and I'm having the best time. But you know what's not the best time? Uh, being stuck in Canada for extra days unplanned and having to pay a lot of money. <laughs> that sucks. What happened? Well, it turns out I've been out of Canada for a while and forgot how their health system worked. So I showed up to get a COVID test uh, to to allow my re-entry into the U.S., my flight. 
And they were like, hey, you are not a Canadian resident. You don't have a Canadian health card anymore. You're going to have to go to a private facility. Sorry, champ. <laughs> and so they, they, they stopped me and told me I had to go to a private facility for testing, which is not open on this holiday weekend. <sighs> so I'm going to be stuck in Canada for a few more days. So uh, Joelle and I's bank account is not happy, but my family is very happy. <laughs> yeah, right. They're happy <laughs> uh, because they get a couple more days of Mandy Reed. How are so. you? I'm well, thank you. I had a good weekend. Yeah. Any highlights? What did I do this weekend? No. Uh, well, here's something cool. Mm-hmm. On Saturday, I got it was a it was a wellness day. I got a chiropractor a massage, Manny Petty, with yes. your wife, with your wife, and then we went to Gossip Girl to have some frosé, which I'd never had before, which was outstanding. So good. And their bacon wrapped jalapeno poppers, which mm-hmm. are like on this raspberry compote. Oh my god, they were so mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. Fun fact: Gossip Girl in San Diego is one of the very few lesbian or women focused bars left in the whole country yeah yeah, yeah. We've, we've got a couple but gossip girl i think is the premiere and that's mm-hmm. absolutely wonderful service incredible bartenders wonderful people i saw joe from our gang and i mean you know of course joelle knows everybody so <laughs> <laughs> but it was uh it was super fun and and i had a, a very nice relaxing day off what color did you paint your toesies? Oh, uh, matte black toes, matte black fingies. Hardcore goth, always. Yeah, <laughs> always. <laughs> you know me. Okay, sisters of mercy. All right, here we go. Here we go. Uh, if you have any good news or corrections or confessions or anything that you want to submit to us, any of the games that we play, idioms of the world, idiots of the Senate, misheard lyrics, shared swears, find the cat, happy places, what the mutt. By the way, and I'm holding this up, you guys can't see this on the screen here, but Mandy can. Somebody got me a book of every dog breed ever in human existence or dog existence, I should say. Amazing. So that I don't, you know, don't just keep saying oh, pit bull and chow chow over and over again. So that's fun for what the mutt. Uh, first first submission here. Uh, I'll kick us off. Mm-hmm. Mandy is from Jason. Pronouns he and him. He says beans is is is. I think I heard in one of the MSW pods that AG wrote a triumph. Jason, you are correct. It's a triumph, Thruxton. You said any good news is fair game. So here's mine. No dick pics, I swear. My distraction during COVID has been working on my neglected 2008 triumph speed triple. Mm -hmm. With kids working 60 hours a week for the last few years and life in general, it's gone unloved just ridden for commutes. I've been perusing eBay, picking up odds and ends, playing with ECU tuning, and generally making it the way I've wanted it since I bought it new. I was recently able to put everything together and spare a couple hours to scrape off a couple of years of bugs, and I couldn't be happier with it. I know it's a dumb thing. It is not, Jason. It's an awesome thing. But it makes me smile to crack the throttle. Pick attached with pod pets, Stella, the 50-pound pit bull, taking a beating from the late Lucifer, the eight-pound cat. <laughs> no, fast zoomy vehicles, not uh, not dumb thing, cool thing. That is a nice bike, and I love the fairing too. I love the little thing over the headlights. I have one of those too, and it makes a difference. Like the bike won't shake over over eighty miles per hour. Not that I would ever drive that fast on the roads here. But look at the kitty and the pity. So oh. cute. That's wonderful. That is so wonderful. But yeah, hey, and also nice lawn. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Totally. You're so San Diego and you're like, wow, <laughs> drought free lawn. Amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming Jason's in the Midwest somewhere where water is plentiful. Oh, being here in Nova Scotia, where my family lives, everything is so moist. 
It's just, <laughs> everything is like everything is dewy and wet and, and there's rivers and streams everywhere. It's like <laughs> just everything's green and wet. It's very different from poor desert. I mean, literally yeah. a few days before I left for Nova Scotia, when I was walking my dog Marley in San Diego, I got cut open by a cactus. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, it, you know, Steve Martin says if you turned off the sprinklers, it would turn into a desert. So, yeah, that's where we live. I love San Diego. All right. Next one. Arthur. He him. Uh, Arthur says, I adore the podcast and listen to it every day. I'm so happy I discovered it. Face it. I'm a fan. Me too, Arthur. As for idioms, I had a client who had a habit of mangling idiomatic expressions. For example, this isn't rocket surgery we're doing here. <laughs> <laughs> and we've really painted ourselves into a hole on this one. <laughs> and most mysteriously, it's time to groin our loins. Instead of gird your loins. <laughs> groin, that reminds me of uh, Smash the Crotch Act. Remember when I tried to say I'm AG? Go, I'm, uh, on Muller She Road, I went by a pseudonym because I worked for the government. And I was trying to smash the Hatch Act, but I accidentally said Smash the Crotch Act. So. <laughs> that sounds like, a, like some sort of weird feminist play, like the vagina monologues. The vagina? Yeah. The vagina, the vagina monologues? The vagina, the vagina monologues? <laughs> vagina <All right>. monologues. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> All right. The next one is no name, just she, her. And Anonymous says, on the 1st of February, I was downsized out of a job I really like. I didn't think I would find something else I would like as much. But the good news is I was wrong. Finishing my fourth week at my new job, and I'm really happy with it. Add to that, it's more money. Heck yeah. More good news. My daughter started her new job today. She will also be making more money than any other job she has had. Heck yeah. Pet tax. The picture is one of my grandpups, Michia, Korean for pretty girl. No guessing necessary. She is clearly Labradoodle. My son is training her to be a pediatric therapy dog and she's doing great. Michia, you're so cute. Look at the Muppet face. I love Labradoodles. They're so cute. And hey, congrats on all the great new jobs with more money. I think literally COVID and then everyone's trying to hire and people are like, nobody wants to work anymore. And yeah, like, well, it's because you need to pay people more. I think that this is kind of a sort of a kind of an incidental labor revolution we're seeing here. People are starting to get the money that they deserve. Well, yeah. And I think also for a lot of people, they're like, it's sort of like how we all, well, not everyone, but many people lost friends or had friendships change over the last few years because of people's handling of COVID. And it's kind of the same with our employers in the working world. It's like, how did you handle the last few years? Where's your heart at? What are your values? Right. And if you're like, you can clearly afford to pay us a little bit more money and take our health and safety and rest seriously. You're going to look, you're going to look at those companies. Yeah. Yeah. hundred so, percent. Heck yeah. All right. Uh, you want to take the next one? Yeah. I got the next one here. This one is from Ames. She and they, uh, hello, ladies de legume. Um, <laughs> my good news came through bad experiences. So content warning of mentions of suicide. In 2013, I survived a suicide attempt. And as I recovered, I felt so hopeless and horrible that I behaved impulsively and dangerously in hopes of something that would just take care of it for me. In summer of 2014, I was getting worse and worse. But a nagging thought in the back of my mind was that I wanted a dog of my own before I went, before I died, which felt horribly inevitable. So in my impulsiveness, I went to the animal shelter, picked up an old guy, thinking I'd give him and me a good year or two before we both passed. Fast forward to today. I am celebrating seven years with my best friend. By caring for him and him caring for me, I learned to care for myself. Oh, my God. His dopey love has been such a wonderful way to remind myself that I'm loved and important. He was nine, they say, when I adopted him. So we will be having his sweet 16 party this weekend. His name is Pinter. Yes, as in Harold. 
And the pound supposes he was a Cocker Spaniel Australian Shepherd mix, but who knows? Feel free to guess. I think there might be a little Lorax in there because he's the fr- he's got the flurfiest paws I've oh ever seen. Oh my god! Not pictured is his spotted purple tongue. So maybe some of the ubiquitous Chow genes are in there too. Yes, obviously. So here's to wet kisses, Paul holding and unending love for bringing me back from the brink. Oh, oh thank you so much for sharing, Ames. It's the love from rescue dogs is so incredible and so pure. And also it's a really hard thing to talk about what you just did. So yeah. congratulations for, for being so vulnerable and hopefully some other people listening will get some good fuzzy feelings from that because you're not alone. And definitely we're also proud of you definitely and of Pinter. Look yeah. at those fluffy paws. <laughs> the peats are so amazing. Yeah. And you know, they say, you know, we rescue them, but often they rescue us and my oh, yeah. two boys, my two boys have gotten me out of a lot and kept me here as well. So I feel you. Sweet babies. All and right. Look at that. Is that a beer and a joint in the last photo? Because that's awesome. That's the mood. That's, that's the, the mood. mood. Summer 2021. Back and those summer. pants are amazing too. Dude, you are our people. And a little ink there and uh-huh. glasses. Dude, she's our people. Look at this. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Thanks for sharing, Ames. Have a wonderful Sweet 16 party and send us uh, pictures if you take any pictures with a him of Pinter and a dog cake. Yes. Yes, please. Okay. Next one's from Casey. She, her, Casey says, hi, Leguminati. Love your show. I always learn so much and it was so helpful to have the January 6th hearing clips on the show as I had to work all day and missed it. So thank you. You can thank the hard work of the producers of the show and of AG. Um, I was listening to your chat about the compliment sandwich and I just had to write in about it. I'm a leadership trainer and I always call this is the shit sandwich because you ruin both the nice slices of bread with the crap in the middle. I have met many leaders who only give compliments when they are about to criticize and it trains their team to hate compliments because they know it's just the prelude to complaining uh, to the complaining their boss actually wanted to do. A better way to do it is to give out compliments whenever someone deserves them. (laughs) Agreed. They're free after all. And when criticizing someone to offer a solution, I find that works much better. Mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of constructive criticism. Also have a mangled aphorism for you. I had a boss who would say, shit or get off the fence. She always <laughs> conjured up quite the image. Ouch. Gross. <laughs> oh, God. Gross. <laughs> Finally, for pet tax, I've written before and sent pictures of my cat, Frank Lloyd Bite, <laughs> Janelle Meowne. Oh my God. And pounced to Leon. Right at the beginning of summer, Leon <laughs> broke Frank's back leg and he has only just been released from kitty prison after getting a very expensive plate put in his leg. Here he is at his most pathetic and his fully restored <laughs> glory. Oh my God. Cat. <laughs> Cat cast. Cat leg cast. Most pathetic and then fully restored glory. Is that, can I pet the Tums or is that a trap? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, no, very good point. And, you know, I, I, I simplify it, but it is important to pay. I, I make it a point to compliment as many people I can, genuine mm-hmm. compliments throughout the day to say what I think out loud. Like if I like someone's pants or their dress or I think their, their hair is cute or that they have a nice suit on, like whatever it is, I think in my head, I always just want to make sure I say it out loud. Now, the judgy stuff I keep to myself. <laughs> 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 but I do like to throw those compliments out. And I tell you what, 100% return on investment. They always are very thankful. Mm-hmm. And it actually alleviates my stress quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, add that to the shit sandwich and, you know, always offer solutions. That's a very important point. I agree with you 100%. I was sorry. I was just simplifying it into, you know, 
to what we could fill out on an online form <laughs> and that I personally need compliments with your criticism. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Next up from Phil pronouns, he and him. Good day, my sassy swearing news, loving best friends. Quick reminder. I am the COVID nurse that went back home to care with VA patients. Allison, you were so right. As usual, the stories are amazing, but I was not ready for the well, bluntness. <laughs> I have one fella. I can't go into too much detail, but suffice to say, we hit it off instantly. One of the first things he wanted was for us to have a TV show or something in common to talk about during our visits. So I, of course, subscribed him to the Daily Beans. <laughs> well, I've been a bit behind on my Daily Beans. I was trying to catch up when one day I walk into his apartment. At this point, I should tell you I have a rainbow flag on my shoe. It's relevant here. And he says, but Reamer, is that something your people do? <laughs> Well, as you can guess, I was dumbfounded. I had heard the nurse talk with him about appropriateness. A couple days later, I caught up to where he was and laughed harder than I should have. I have since had another visit and apologized to him about not being caught up on my beans and promised not to let it happen again. As tax, I, I have added three more pictures from one of my times in Africa. The first one is the local cows that climbed the local mountain, very big hill, just for the company. The second is the resident mouser at the hotel in Nairobi where I stay. And the third is a secretary bird. I love secretary birds! Consider to be very good luck to have one in your path because they are voracious snake eaters. Secretary birds are my favorite. They look like dinosaurs to me. Cute. Yeah, that that was an interesting episode. <laughs> look at the baby. The cow reminds me of when I was um, a couple days ago, I was camping with my sister in a part of Nova Scotia called Cape Breton Island, which is Google it for non-Canadians. It's very close to Greenland. But anyway, we were driving around um, near a national park where we were camping and there was a bunch of cows on the side of this river having like a cow beach day. They were like, <gasps> some of them were by the water and some of them were like sitting down by the water and some of them were in the water. And I was, like, <laughs> we drove fast too quickly to get any pictures, but I was like, oh my God, cow beach day. Now, did you share this information with your wife? No, I can't believe okay. I forgot to tell her about cow beach okay. day. Now, I have to tell you, before she hears this, before this comes out tomorrow, when you tell her, she's going to tell you the three acceptable things to say to roadside cows. I know <laughs> she's going to do this. You're going to tell her about the cows yeah. and she's going to go, did you say one of the three acceptable things to say to roadside cows? And those three acceptable things are moo, moo cow, and hey, you fucking cow. So <laughs> I want you to report back I to will. us as to whether or not she does that, because I guarantee you she will. <laughs> I believe you. I totally believe you. This sounds like a Joelism. Yeah. Yeah. Moo, moo cow, and hey, you fucking cow. Those are the three acceptable things to say to roadside cows or beach cows. <laughs> but thank you for these photos. That's amazing. Yes, thank you. And, um, the kitty, too. Look at the kitty. Very cute. That secretary bird is so fucking cool. <laughs> Their legs are so long. We have a couple of them at the San Diego Zoo. Yeah, we do. And uh, my favorite thing to go see. I also have a lot of parrots in my neighborhood slight related tangent <laughs> yeah we have actually uh like flocks of wild parrots that fly around san diego because like i guess in 1972 a, a parrot got out of its home and another parrot got out of its home and they made it and now there are flocks of parrots yeah. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And yeah, they're, they're very loud i was discussing this with my stepniece earlier we were looking at pictures of birds <laughs> random related story for you and i told her that we had parrots in san diego and she was like you do really I was like, I don't think they're native, but we certainly have some in my neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, they started in El Cajon and they moved they moved west toward the beach. Easy. Fly around, be loud. Well, it was nice to join you for the beans. 
Yes, it was good to see you again. And, uh, you know, we'll see you when you return from Canada. Canada. Mm -hmm. And uh, until then, I mean, you know, do have that conversation about the roadside cows. (laughs) I will. Let me know how it goes. And uh, everybody, thanks so much for sending your Mm -hmm. stuff in. If you want to send anything, you can send it to us at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. Do you have any final thoughts before we get out of here today, Mandy? Just continue to wash your hands, y'all. That Delta variant, though. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. For real. Mask up. Wash your hands. (sighs) <sighs> but also have a little fun if you're vaccinated now and again. It's important to live a little. <laughs> yes. Agreed. But, you know, be very careful. Be very wary. Mm-hmm. Be very wary of those who cannot get vaccinated. Indeed. It just it bums me out that there are people who can and choose not to. A bunch of dicks. Mm. Big feelings <sighs> about that. But that's for another day. Mm, for another day. This is yes. a good news segment. So everybody yes. until tomorrow, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet and take care of your mental health. I've been Allison Gill. I've been Mandy Reader. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reader with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. And the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. <laughs>